Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, I think I think we waited too long, and that's the problem. So uh -oh. I got to edit the start time and see if that makes a difference. I'm sorry, Calvin. <sighs> Ooh. Yeah, hopefully it does it. Uh, sorry, guys. No, we're sorry that we had whatever happened to get it to this point, but I'm sure you'll figure it out. Yeah. It's the plant's fault. <laughs> I might have. To might have to close the browser again, sadly. Can't think of what else to do. Wait, have we been live this whole time? No. No, I had Sam check it. Uh, it was just the Mises screen. Oh. Are you sure? Yeah. Are we live now? God, I hope not. Oh, she sees us now. Okay. That's really weird. Okay. Apparently, we've been live this whole time. Um, I'm not really sure how. Uh, we're live. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, that is the strangest thing ever. I have no idea when we went live, but <laughs> sorry about the lack of fancy intro or anything that really caught me off guard. So, anyway, that's fine. I'll just get right into it. Um, so this is Take Human Action PA, episode 42. Uh, I'm Calvin, I'm your host, and 
we've got a lot of exciting guests, uh, returning guests and hosts all. Um, I, uh, I guess I'll just mention real quick, come see us at the uh, Take Human Action Tour this weekend in New York, uh, April 1st through 2nd. Uh, Tom Woods, Dave Smith, Maj, uh, Gene Epstein and more are going to be there. So definitely check us out there. It's all weekend long, Saturday and Sunday. Um, myself and Jacob and uh, Autumn and several others of our team are going to be there and Irene. So definitely make sure to check us out. Um, I'll just let everyone go around quick and say hi. Uh, start with Irene. How you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to talking about this topic of the class at the Solutionary Center <clears throat> and look forward to seeing everybody Saturday in Manhattan, Blockchain yeah. Center. There are Back. some coalition people coming, some people from the People's Party and some other coalition members. What a riot it's going to be. Yeah, Irene is our resident uh, doctor and uh, co-founder of uh, Liberty Speaks, so we're happy to have her as a part of this. And uh, Rob, how are you doing? Most excellent. Just here to talk about teachers of classes, something that's never do. <laughs> yeah, your your uh, your tech side seems to be working better than uh, the streaming service right now, for whatever reason. Yeah. So yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, let's go to uh, Regina. How are you doing tonight? Hey everybody, I'm Regina Badger, and uh, I am the Issue Coalition's chair with an asterisk. <laughs> well, we're we're in transition right now. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad to have you all. I've been really excited to have this conversation. So, um, as uh, was teased a little bit in the descriptions, we are going to be talking about our plan to bring liberty to the streets of Philadelphia with our uh, Liberty 101 class in, will be in session soon at the Solutionary Center um, in downtown uh, Philadelphia. And uh, the group of us, along with several others, have been talking and we have a plan, we have an outline for the class that we want to go through. We've got a bunch of different topics. Uh, we're dividing them up and choosing our areas of focus and we're going to talk about why they're all important and how we're going to communicate that uh, to a new audience. So um, I'll just uh, go through the issues here and then we can touch on them uh, one at a time. What we have right now is um, to talk about some inflation, um, bailouts, um, foreign policy, um, pharma and medicine, criminal justice, education, and the Second Amendment. Now, uh, some of these well, Calvin, might even seem... Even before that, even before that, you know, I gave you those original slides, and I think, like, the basic foundations of, of liberty and, 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 you know, what, what liberty, self-ownership, and, and actual rights are, I think that introduction is a real key part of what's going on. Right, exactly. So we'll, we'll be covering that as as well. But, you know, the, what we will be getting into tonight is you know, why all those issues uh, matter and, and how we can, how we're going to be explaining them in a way that will make it, you know, make sense and just form a connection with, with everybody on those issues. So, um, Rob, since uh, you brought that up, why don't you, why don't you start us off and, and tell me, like, for someone who's completely new to all of this has, you know, maybe doesn't follow politics at all, like, what would you start them off with? 
Well, I think, you know, a good place to start is at the beginning and uh, self-ownership, the concept of voluntary society. I think these are really the the building blocks of what everything else that we do comes off of. If it weren't for the concept of self-ownership, if we didn't have the right to our own life, to our own liberty and thoughts and actions, to our own property, then from, from that, you know, we wouldn't have the ability to, to really get into any of these other things. Those are the, that's the foundation of any of the starting uh, or, or any of these other concepts that we're going to touch on to. There is no, uh, you know, uh, there's no Oh, am I back? Yeah, you're back. Sorry, you're but good. I'm having some having some problems here. Uh, these are the, the those three: the right to life, liberty, and property. The the concepts of self ownership are the key building blocks from which all the other things stem off. That's that's kind of the whole point. Yeah, that's that's very true, and I think uh, we'll see here as we go along and in the class later on how all these. Uh, specific issues that we mentioned before how they all come back and connect to the core principles and it's how it's all derived from them and that that's something that i think we have that a lot of the other political philosophies out there don't have like we we don't have to guess what the response uh, or what the you know correct position is for the issue of the day we can take the first principles and apply it to come up with the answer well said well said yeah, so uh, do either of you have any uh, thoughts on that before we move on, the core principles? Well, yeah, I think I'd just like to add the concept of the fact that we are sovereign beings with the right to bodily autonomy and to choose what's put into our body, which ties into medical freedom and informed consent, and informed consent necessitates the ability to decline. And the concept of informed consent is a quintessential competition-based idea where people have the right to decide their risks and benefits. So those basic principles of liberty tie into the absolute antithesis of what happened during COVID mania. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Uh, Regina, you got anything? Yeah, I, I think these classes are gonna be good for people to one, understand that what we have as far as freedoms are built on the foundation of a lot of suffering and a lot of people worked very hard and a lot of lives were lost for a lot of those freedoms and i, I think because we live in such a a cushioned almost vacuum in society now that we don't take that we take that for granted so i think just reminding people like yes, this, this is what your rights are and this is how you need to protect them and this is how people can sometimes slowly goalpost to taking them away from you. I think people really need to hear that sometimes. So, you know, rather than, rather than saying like, you know, coming off as aggressive, saying like, you need to respect the freedoms and, you know, our, all of our little kind of sayings online, we also need to say, hey, do you know why we feel this way? And I think educating with empathy is going to get us more people understanding us rather than just saying, like, come and take them or, you know, not taking the jab, you know, which is sometimes a knee-jerk reaction. Right, exactly. They need to understand why it's inherently 
abnormal the process of what happened during COVID mania and all the other infringements and also need to understand that in the history of mankind has the government and rulers used the idea of for your own good or we're just here to protect you whilst they infringe upon our ability to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And also, I like the idea that really the Constitution and Declaration of Independence really are documents that declare our own sovereign being natural rights as human conscious beings to have certain rights that should never be infringed upon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and I'm, I'm thinking that a lot more of this will come out once we start diving into the uh, individual topics. Uh, so we can uh, start uh, spending some time uh, going over them. Uh, we don't have to go through all of them, but I know that uh, at least a few of us uh, on here have uh, a lot of thoughts on some of them. So we can we can definitely dive into that. So, um, well, the first one I had on here was uh, inflation. So, uh, Rob, you want to talk about that? Oh boy, do I. Well, I think uh, this is a topic that everyone can relate to at the moment. So that's why I think it's one to start. It's a good one to start out with. You know, um, Mises described, and actually, I think it was um, um, Milton Friedman who was the one who said that inflation is a monetary phenomenon uh, everywhere and always. And what he meant by that is that, you know, obviously we have the, the aspects of economics of supply and demand and those will have a, a, a direct impact on the price but when we talk about inflation what we're talking about is the increase in the money supply that gets lent out through preferential lending to the big banks and to their friends first and that what this means is they get the benefit of, of the money inflation it isn't like the quantity theorist said that all of a sudden there's much you know a bunch more money so every every dollar is worth half from twice as much what happens is it's the way that it flows throughout society and the way that it is introduced it gets introduced to the big banks who then lend it out to their preferential customers who get the benefit of being able to bid up the prices and it's the low it's the people who the money gets to less because that, that money will flow throughout society and eventually connect to uh, all of the aspects of the economy, but it gets to the poor and the lower income and, and the middle class really last. So it's the it's the preferential lending that gets people the ability to bid, to bid the prices up so that the people pay the higher prices. Then it does flow out through economy, but by the time it gets to the people, they've already been, suffered in not being able to compete with the higher bids and, and having to pay the higher prices. So um, it's, a, it's a kind of a complicated, concept but it shows the way that that preferential lending is done to take wealth from the poor and hand it to the rich and I think that that's a very important concept to understand what's going on today yeah that, that, that's really it because when it comes down to it and I didn't realize this for the longest time but the a lot of the other economic theories that are out there don't give satisfactory explanations for what causes inflation like what brings this about in the first place yeah. and, and yeah. why it has such a disproportionate effect on you know the poor and the lower lower classes yeah. well and another key aspect is for according to you know modern economic theory the keynesian view um 
lowering prices is a bad thing. And in fact, lowering prices is a good thing in a, in a real economy. Um, so, you know, if, if there's lowering prices, that's a signal that things are getting more uh, efficient and prices can go down and then the people actually pay lower prices. But the, the, right. So, uh, prices are going back. Oh yeah, you're back now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, but it's not the prices going down that's a bad thing. It's actually the 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 tinkering with the money to keep prices up so that stock prices seem to maintain their value, which is the which is what uh, another aspect of inflation comes into play. Um, so it's done either. Uh, I lost you again. Oops. Sorry, guys. My internet is messing up. Yeah. That that's okay. Um, so is there anything else uh, you wanted to add before we all right i'll just i'll just take the next one then unless you guys have any comments on the inflation okay yeah um oh just just real quick calvin yeah i i literally did a a paper in college on how it's it's astounding how much that we don't have financial literacy classes and the more and more i learn about how money actually works, it almost seems intentional. Um, there's absolutely no reason that financial literacy classes should not be mandatory, in my personal opinion, grades six through 12. And they need to be every single quarter, like the way you take math, the way you take English. Because um, I, I think if people understood it, that they wouldn't make certain financial decisions and they would also understand like why things like Bitcoin, you know, like I know right now Bitcoin's like kind of in a vulnerable spot, but it's the concept. Like it's very easy to point a finger at a very specific time that is beneficial for your opinion, whether it's negative or positive. But if you look at the overarching idea of Bitcoin and how like one day, like the last Bitcoin is going to be mined and then that's it's it can't be um you know we don't have the inflation problem where we just print endless money for whatever we need um i think again that's where the education piece is going to be so crucial in what we do here and and hopefully takes off and and we expand not only the topics but the places that we can do this uh -huh. yeah yeah that definitely that definitely makes sense um and I think that's part of what we're trying to do here with the class, like just trying to give people the opportunity to, you know, maybe learn some of these topics for the first time or just hear a different perspective on it. Um, so <clears throat> let's, uh, I guess we'll just move on to, uh, to bailouts. I'll do a quick, just a quick take on that. Um, we're running up against um, time and I want to make sure we get cover the other ones. Um, so back in 2008 which was the last time bailouts were big on the conversation well just just for definition purposes this is mostly referring to bank bailouts like when the uh, real estate market collapsed and all these uh you know giants um, financial companies were were coming down after doing all these bad loans and the debate was oh should we bail them out or not like Lehman Brothers, all, all those companies, Bear Stearns. Um, <laughs> my thinking at the time, I mean, granted, I wasn't that, I wasn't uh, 
quite out of high school yet, but my, that aside, my thinking at the time was just, oh, you know, it's not ideal, but if we don't do this, so many people are going to lose their jobs and the economy is going to crash, so it sucks, but we don't have a choice. <laughs> now, now, looking back on it, you know, facing possible bailouts again, it's just, it makes so much more sense now that we kind of have to do that, otherwise it's going to create a perverse incentive where you know companies will just keep making bad decisions over and over and over again and you know they'll never have a chance to refresh with new management new companies if necessary because the same bad companies and bad management will be rewarded by the government for making the same bad decisions with our taxpayer dollars over and over again and why does that matter? Well, it's a good chunk of what's leading to these financial crises in the first place outside of the Fed policy that Rob just touched on. As long as we have these perverse incentives, then you know it's going to lead to all these booms and busts that are going to, you know, just it's going to be a waste of the tax dollars. And it's going to, you know, it, it, who's going to be the first people that's going to lose their jobs the minute we enter a recession? Because it's it's not going to be the laptop class. <laughs> You know, well, some of them will, but not all of them. And you know, it's going to hit the classes below them harder. So, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes down to it, you have to look at, you know, what's causing these downturns for every angle. And that's that's certainly a part of it. Um, any any comments on that? Well, it just goes back to the concept that the bailouts are interfering with the competitive process. If the banks are failing, you have to just let them fail. Sounds terrible, right? I mean, but the regulations and the regulatory capture that led to the situation also needs to be changed. So it, mm -hmm. it really is uh, the same theme of disastrous central planning, governmental interference and regulatory capture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Regina, you have anything to add? No, I think you guys covered that pretty well. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into regulatory capture in a couple topics. <laughs> I, I know that plays a large role in uh, some of them later on. Um, but uh, foreign policy. Unknown caller. I was going to talk about that one myself. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, Regina, but um, you know, having just experienced the rage against the war machine rally and made national news for it with your sign. Um, I didn't make national news talk about it if you wanted to. <laughs> I didn't make national news, but <laughs> yeah, you did, you're you famous. Not famous. So tell us, uh, tell us what you want to, what you would think it'd be important to cover for that topic. For, I'm sorry, which which part about rage, just in general, for like foreign policy um, and war, just in general. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was for me, it was really educational in the sense of. I mean, it's easy to, to understand that, you know, they're kind of playing chess with these innocent people's lives. Like, that's what really got one like got me wanting to go to Rage Against the War Machine. It's why even before I, you know, got involved with the Libertarian Party, like war was the one that like you can never convince me like why it's necessary. Um, it's just, again, it's 
kind of kind of like we were talking with things like inflation it's only the lower class that suffers you know it's like i don't have sympathy for i don't want to say this people assume that we have sympathy for russia and it's like it doesn't matter who's involved it's the innocent mothers and children and the young men basically being sent off to slaughter because we love to send men off to slaughter that are affected by this and understanding also how parties who look like they're not involved are involved. Like when I started to understand how much of the U S even though we weren't technically involved, but just how all this money that we're sending over is playing a factor. It's like, we are like teetering on the edge and just like trying to put our hands up and say, Oh no, no, no. We just, we're just sending aid. We're just sending aid. And we don't understand how, like, how that can look to actual madmen. Right. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's like, it's easy to say, you know, oh, this brinksmanship isn't going to lead to war until it does. And we just saw that. Like, I, I don't think, I mean, maybe some people in the yeah, in intelligence apparatus could have predicted the conflict breaking out, but your average Joe certainly could not have. So there's only so far you can go with that before the tensions just explode. And, you know, it's not the politicians who are paying the consequences for that. Yeah. The, um, the other thing too, is, you know, people kind of forget that war is phenomenal for the economy. And if you don't see like a little bit of a correlation between all the inflation after we printed out all these stimulus checks that everybody thought was this magical free money and now we are teetering on the edge of getting involved in a nuclear war. Like you have to understand how those two things go together. That's certainly true for the arms industry, for the economy as a whole, though. It just drains resources away from productive sectors where it could better, much better be used by the private sector as a whole. Right, because it's a waste of useless resources that doesn't produce anything valuable. Mm -hmm. um, so there's right. just a few uh, winners, but the economy in general, and Ron Paul spoke about that at the Rage Against the War Machine, um, the idea that war is good for the military industrial complex, but for the general economy of the people at home, it's a disaster. Yeah, that, that's it, that's it exactly. So. Um, well, did you want to expand upon it anymore, Irene? I know uh, you, you may have just led a small gathering in D.C. recently uh, about on that topic. So <laughs> I, I, was, I thought I'd give you a minute to, to talk about that if you wanted to. Well, I, <laughs> I was part of a team of a large amount of people, and I helped to produce this wonderful event called Rage Against the War Machine. I had a lot of coalition sponsor and organizers led by Angela and Nick. And... Um, I think that we did something historic because we co formed a coalition of lefties and liberties and we are working on things and still talk to each other. And I think I would like us to try and talk about that during the lecture series at the Solutionary Center and to shed light 
on the concept that we really do actually have a lefty liberty coalition and we all agree uh, that the oligarchy needs to not exist anymore, that the duopoly needs to not exist anymore, that the military industrial complex needs to not exist anymore. We need to end the Fed. We need to defund the CDC. We need to remove participation from the World Health Organization and all these things lefties and liberties can agree upon and so much more and that people need to understand that they are not in a box. You're not a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or a People's Party person. You're literally just a human who wants... Yeah. yeah what do we want? Yeah, that's really what it is. So it's, it's not like a left-right issue. Right. It's a, or left-versus-right issue. It's... Uh, you know, it's, it's really something that uh, that everyone can get on board with and you know, still keep your identity, which is why I think that the uh, rally attracted as many people as it did. Like, you know, well, I don't I don't have an exact count, but possibly as much as, you know, since like the early war on terror era could have been larger than any event since then for for an anti-war event at any rate. I, I could easily believe that. So. Right. And one of the exactly. And one of the topics and the ideas, and this is a good segue, is to talk about in this lecture series, the fact that people want food, water, shelter, community, love, and to be productive. Everybody wants that. And we can talk about how, as uh, the human population, we can disagree on the path to those things, but we need to get far, far away from divisive politics and distractions. And that's why, you know, Regina wants to talk about food freedom, um, which uh, I just love that she wants to talk about that and that we're going to talk about that. And these are not partisan issues. We need to teach people that these divisive politi politics boxes that they get put on are imaginary uh, they're not real and they're not what humanity needs to be discussing and uh that's you know the lessons learned of coalition building and uh food freedom is really important um for so many reasons which is regina's gig so we're gonna let her talk about that if that's okay um yeah, yeah. uh so do, do is it do we want to transition to to that you want to you want to talk about that now or do you want to say that to the end uh since that um of course if you want, I mean, if you want to hit some of the bigger, like the bigger topics first, we can we can come back to that. Okay, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely hit that at the end. So, uh, Irene, your topic of choice, possibly your favorite topic, other than the ones we've already hit on, which would be, uh, I, I don't want to generalize it and just say like pharma, but everything that's been going on in in medicine of, of late. So. So, so what's what's been going on? How how can you, uh, what do you want to, what do you think would be important to highlight in the in the course? Let's just start there. Yeah. So a couple of things. I think in the introductory lecture we can talk about the concept of informed consent and bodily autonomy are good ideas for the introduction part of it. And then for me in particular, I'd like to discuss the concepts of medical freedom and Hayek. So what does that mean? and the concepts of Austrian economics and as it relates to medical freedom in this country. And the idea that what happened with COVID mania is an example of a larger problem in this country, um, which is 
uh, regulatory capture, which we talked about, and um, we can really give some good definitions of what it is, but it's really, you know, the government picking the winners and losers and the fact that, for example, the CDC Foundation funds the CDC and the CDC Foundation is funded by Big Pharma. And so we need to talk about the fact that the lack of competition in public health, medical research, and the various entities like the FDA who make these decisions is a big problem. So these need to be decentralized. Well, what does that mean? It means that we have to completely change the whole system because the whole system is having a pervasive problem with lack of competition and lack of innovation and just a huge amount of waste. And that all relates to our freedoms, right? Because we cannot have central planners dictating what we put into our body. And you can hit the lefties on this really easily by saying that they're my body, my choice as it relates to the abortion topic. Yet a lot of woke lefties jumped on the COVID bandwagon, which makes absolutely no sense. No one should be forced, of course, into having a medical procedure. So that's the biggest thing. And the idea that competition in medicine and competition in various types of agencies that want to discuss what's best for public health and not to be central planners with no discussion is what we need to have. Yeah, 100%. And it's really crazy that from 2019, it seemed like, I don't know if it was like more of a uh, split between left and right, or if it just was more on the left or something. But it seemed like if anyone was on the side of, you know, not enforcing uh, medical decisions or like particularly uh, vaccine vaccinations in schools or something then, you know, it, it definitely wasn't as, as solid of a divide. Now it seems to be completely polarized where the left is, is more pushing those things. And I, I don't know, it just seems like, seems like it's such a quick transition in such a short time period. Well, it's the woke left because the coalition members, the non-woke left, the People's Party and a lot of members of the coalition were against the mandates and right. it actually split them. It split the left into the woke and the anti-mandate left. And the anti-mandate left became aligned with us through the coalition. And and yeah. people need to understand things like HR 5546 that removed product liability from all vaccine makers in 1986 and established a vaccine ever the reporting system for which $8 billion or more has been paid out for vaccine injuries before COVID and the PREP Act, which prevented any product liability for the COVID vaccine and biologic and anyone who administered it. So that's again, quintessential government interference, which led to the fact that the pharmaceutical industries didn't hesitate to launch these vaccine and biologics upon the population. When in the preclinical trials before the launching, death, disease, heart attacks, strokes, and all these adverse events all happen in the preclinical trials. And if they had product liability, they probably wouldn't even release them to the public and they need to be recalled. So people need to understand that what happened with COVID mania is related to lack of freedom, lack of competition, central planning, and all the problems that are created for all of the issues in the military industrial complex and the regulatory capture. Yeah, even just me looking back at it now, not really paying much attention to it before, but. I, I could tell 
right off the bat is you know just knowing like how the market forces work as soon as i heard about the 1986 law it's just thinking in my head oh yeah that's where it all went wrong you know, i'm sure there were some seeds planted before that but that must have been the nail in the coffin for everything that happened later right that changes everything because if the vaccine makers had product liability then they wouldn't be making all this money without responsibility so pfizer and merck and all of them have been fined many times over by millions of dollars but they make billions of dollars so the price of doing business for them so just think about it then they use that money to donate to your legislatures that lock you in your homes during COVID mania. And they use that money to buy ads and mainstream media, which is approaching 70% that changes the narrative of the general population for which they are viewing these programs. So the law created the fact that they have no liability and all the billions of dollars that they have to go back and influence, right? yeah it's a big problem that's where the money comes from because they have no product liability they made the law because they were having all these injuries and they were going to threaten not to make vaccines anymore yeah it's, it just turned into a vicious cycle uh well uh we Gina, won't stay here <laughs> too long <laughs> regina uh, do, you, do you want to add anything to that yeah i um i just have a really big problem with doctors and big pharma just um creating creating the illness and selling the cure um that keeps people sick um and that's kind of what ties into the whole food freedom initiative too is that um and, and irene brought up a great point where i i really hope that people who constantly love to scream you know my body my choice about certain topics but then wanted you to lose your job, to lose your bank account, to not be able to feed your family, to not be able to participate in public, to be locked in cages in some places that this actually happened, like we cannot deny it, um, over the same concept. That's right. It's the great answer to wokeism. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. A lot of this stuff is, is connected and I think that'll become more and more element you know, evident, excuse me, in the class. Um. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. As, as we go along, like, <clears throat> I mean, like with the foreign policy, like the, the, for instance, just to go back for a minute, the reckless foreign policy that we're, um, that we've been engaging in right now is leading to a collapse of the dollar as we speak. Like, you know, foreign countries are seeing us as unreliable and no longer trading in the dollar anymore. I mean, that's all. That's a whole another can of worms. But you know, mm -hmm. this stuff all connects together in one form or another. Yeah. Right. yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Irene. Go ahead. No, just by happenstance, there's the plethora of bioweapons labs in Ukraine, which I'm sure has nothing too, to do with yeah. why we're in Ukraine. Right. Uh, so. Uh, I will go to 
next topic then, which is uh, criminal justice. Rob was going to talk about that. Um, I'll just touch on it briefly. Um, so uh, one, there's a lot of different elements of it uh, that we could go, go into. Um, I think that uh, victimless crimes for, for drug possession and usage is certainly something that, that needs to be brought in at some point here or in the previous section um, just and just nonviolent crimes in general like the high sentencing that you're, you're getting for that in a lot of places that that needs to stop um, in fact um, jury jury nullification Rob is probably one of the best people to talk about that um, just very short version of that is you know even though you technically cannot, you, there's a lot of restrictions about when you can and can't talk about jury nullification, which is part of the frustrations around it. But in short, if there is an unjust law, like if, uh, if Regina is going to court tomorrow and being charged with possession and Irene and I and several other jury members, um, you know, basically determine like, yes, she violated statute X, Y, Z, but you know, that's an unjust law. So we're not going to charge her, then we could do that. And that that's an example of what jury nullification can do. It's just most people don't even know it exists. And I think that's something that really needs to be brought to the forefront. Yeah, I agree. And then qualified immunity, um, we need to end that, which ties into the whole criminal justice reform idea. And I like to explain to people that, you know, doctors have malpractice coverage, insurance coverage, and police officers can have something similar to that. And uh, there's databases on us where you can search. Um, it, it can be a little bit uh, punitive uh, for some doctors and things like that, but uh, that can be some sort of similar system like malpractice for doctors um, and, and qualified immunity. And that inter, that inter, um, gives you competition once you do that, when you end qualifying immunity and create this um, alternative system. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think it's only fair that uh, we give uh, Regina a chance to address the jury. So <laughs> is there anything you would like to say? <laughs> um. Yeah, it's, it's just, we, I, I think everybody needs to literally Google jury nullification and understand that um, also something that I learned recently was how there's a lot of manipulation within the system. Like when um, it's, it's usually um, like state appointed, I don't want to say um, like a public defender will offer will like have somebody as this happens a lot in drug cases where they say if you take the plea bargain and correct please correct me if i'm wrong because i just recently learned about this but if you take like a plea deal or a plea bargain not understanding that that's not a guarantee because that public defender has like that has no effect on how that yeah, yeah, yeah you're right that's basically like a handshake agreement it's, it's not right. a guarantee of anything Right. And I think if people understood that and understood how to defend themselves, 
and again, things like jury nullification, I think we would stop seeing, you know, a lot of people, families being broken up over minor amounts of certain substances, as well as um, nonviolent drug crimes. Yeah, because what is it like less than five to 10% of cases actually make it into a courtroom before getting a plea bargain. So, you know, if that was even just double, the courts wouldn't be able to handle the overflow and they would have to, you know, they they would have to figure something else out and like make better deals. Right. Or they would have to change the laws so that they're not constantly in court. I mean, one of the most disgusting things, um, as some people know, I'm, I'm working on some legislation in Pittsburgh for psychedelic, or I'm sorry, uh, entheogenic plants. And one of the things that I was told in, in trying to figure out, you know, how all the interwining systems work is that the, the Pittsburgh police feel like when they can't shake down people over small amounts of weed, it is, and I quote, they feel like we're taking their guns away. And if that is true, then one, you need to really reevaluate why you are in law enforcement. And two, you need to understand that no one, in my opinion, has the authority to point at something that grows naturally out of the ground and says, you can't have that now. Like, where where does that authority come from other than self-appointed? Uh, I have no words. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so power corrupts. They used to be called peace officers. And marijuana is a plant that grows in the yard. And now the pharmaceutical industrial complex and regulatory capture and all those entities are going to make a lot of money out of it and also manipulate the receptors, which is leading to probably some addiction issues in the future because they're messing with the original plant, which is the same thing that happened with tobacco. So Mm -hmm. it's just really absurd. I'm for complete deregulation of, you know, the marijuana plant, you know, Marijuana's lives lives matter, I guess, is my stance. (laughs) And so I just- Where is Maj? Marijuana's lives matter. We got to get Maj on that. Can I ask you a question uh, that I've been thinking about for like so many years, but I've never said it out loud. It's related to the prison system and being arrested and getting bonded and all this other stuff. We really are not far removed from debtor's prison and the fact that when people get arrested, if you have money, you're out. And if you don't have money, you're not out, right? You have to stay oftentimes. I mean, yeah, the jails I mean, are that, so cool. That's true to an extent. Like you can certainly bail yourself out for a while if you have money and if you don't, then you're stuck there. So to that extent, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely true. Um, right, yeah. So I don't even know how you fix it because the whole world is based on who has money and who doesn't, but. Well, I, I haven't thought about this enough to say whether it's a, whether it's like across the board, a good thing or not on the surface, it seems like a good thing, but there are some more uh, progressive like district attorneys or I, I don't know which department it falls under, but 
um, basically the, in the inner, in the cities, they are targeting um, bond reform and they're basically saying, you know, we are going to reduce <clears throat> bond in a lot of these nonviolent cases in particular. So it's not some absurdly yeah. high amount. I know that's not strictly a libertarian thing, you know, it's something libertarians would support, I would think, but it's, you know, when it comes down to it, it's, it's not, it's, it's almost not as much worth our focus as something like, you know, decriminalization and legalization, which is, you know, it's, it's ultimately more important than, you know, when it comes down to, you know, bail reform, it's just like a patchwork in comparison. Right. Cause we're into the fact that if there's no victim or you didn't harm anybody, you didn't take their stuff, right. then why are you even being arrested and why are there even laws on the books from it? Right. So it's very in the weeds for us, but it just, you know, bothers me, I guess is why I brought it up. But yeah, we're as libertarians, you know, five steps up the ladder from they shouldn't even be arrested in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally, that's totally fair. Yeah. I don't understand why I have to pay a fine when I haven't been convicted of my crime yet. <laughs> like the, like the joke always is like, well, I don't have bail money. It's like, why is that the first thing people think of? What if it's just, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I think there's certain crimes, like if there's substantial evidence, like in violent crimes, that it's like, this is 98.9% .9 our guy, then maybe you are restricted on how far you can go. But for like you were saying, like nonviolent crimes, like I, I don't understand why I have to pay for my freedom when I haven't even been convicted yet or, or presume, you know, I essentially presumed guilty. Um, until someone looks at the case. Right, and most of us go back to what we just said, right? I agree, if, if there's no victim, what is the crime which goes into all the problems in our yeah, society? I, yeah, no victim, no crime. And I think that's another thing that, um, if we don't touch on at the beginning, we'll certainly touch on it by the time we get to um, the criminal justice section of the presentation. Um, so uh, I think we'll just uh, touch on the last two real quick here. Um, education. So for uh, anyone who's been going to the Philadelphia schools, particularly the public schools, I, I don't think it's going to take a lot of um, persuading to convince them that there could be something better. <laughs> um, you know, I've, uh, I think what we've been seeing is a student body that has spent, you know, what, like less than half of the time between, or, or just about half between um, this moment and March of 2020, like outside of a classroom. This, this whole time because they've been just, you know, shutting down schools for so long, like particularly the cities longer than everywhere else. And then, you know, mask on, mask off, mask on, mask off for just semi-arbitrary reasons. Uh, I mean, that that alone would be enough reason to take a look at it if the schools themselves weren't already so unsafe, which is, you know, that, that's a whole, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. So we're not going to go uh down that uh avenue today but you know there's there's definitely a lot of areas for improvement and you know there's there's splits in the libertarian community about 
you know, whether school choice should be the preferred uh, route for us to advocate towards or just complete uh, separation of, you know, education from the government entirely. Um, that's, <laughs> that's not a debate we're going to talk, we're going to cover in the course, but we're, we're certainly at least going to give some, uh, some highlights of, you know, the failings of the current system and, you know, the alternatives and that, that would be better and just the options that would present that's the, that's the key point giving you options where you currently have virtually none that, that's the biggest difference so um either one of you want to say anything on that i did meet a few teachers who left their jobs and they formed these schoolhouses with some parents and so blessing in disguise, um, they learned that uh, they could pretty much afford to support that teacher with some kids and had their own schools with no regulations and restrictions. And I think that that's where it all needs to uh, go eventually. And the Department of Education, you know, decentralized local communities determining what they think is best for their families and their children's uh, children, excuse me. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I definitely agree with that. And yeah, there've been a lot of interesting <clears throat> uh, alternatives that have been put out there, like in the form of like uh, homeschool co-ops and pods. Uh, I, I did manage to um, like the past uh, year or so uh, managed to go out and see some of them and like some of the things that they're doing and you know the, the possibilities there are are very exciting so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of what can happen there um regina is there anything you want to add yeah homeschool your kids <laughs> yeah that's uh that's definitely something that uh you know we'll, we'll have a q a at the end of the uh actually do the class as well so we'll, we'll see what topics uh, people end up being most interested in <laughs> okay the last one would be um second amendment rights now how could we possibly do a class at the solutionary center without talking about second amendment that's <laughs> that, that, that's that's kind of like the the uh, raison d'etre um maybe not of the center as a whole but certainly of like a lot of the initial uh onus behind uh, what brought it about in the first place. So I'm probably the least qualified uh, libertarian to uh, go into the details of um, the specifics of uh, them, the uh, of firearms themselves. But what I can tell you is, you know, it's if you're making uh, certain types of self-defense uh, tools of any sort, really, um, illegal, they're not really illegal because, you know, that's not to say the military doesn't get it. That's not to say the police don't get it. You're only preventing private citizens from getting it to be able to protect themselves. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, in the middle of the country um, trying to protect yourselves from, I don't know, bears or, you know, you know, or even possible like rare intruder or if you're in the middle of an inner city, you know, five blocks away from a police station and they're, you 
you know, there's could be shooting in the middle of the night or something like that. And, you know, it, do, it doesn't really matter because in either one of those instances, you could be just as far away time-wise from actually getting help to you and you should not have to wait, you know, because even if it's five minutes, it could be the five minutes between life and death. You shouldn't have to rely on them to protect yourself. There's no, there's no reason like the default should not be you do not have this right. The default should be you have this right unless it's interfering with somebody else's rights. And just the, uh, owning something to protect yourself in and of itself is not violating anybody else's rights. Yeah, I agree. And I think we could use some good examples. Like, so if this person is driving a car and they happen to be on multiple psych meds that increase suicidality and homicidality and this guy driving the car decides to cross the median so he can get hit by a truck in the middle right and he dies and he kills a whole bunch of people with him do we take all the cars away in the country well, you know, yeah, it's it's funny because people have been using cars for for similar reasons. You know that they've been using them to break up protests, particularly in uh, Charlottesville. I remember the exact situations, but I think it was like in Europe. There's you know they don't have the guns anymore there. At least they're not as accessible, so they're just using cars instead. Right, and I just bring up the example of how various medications especially when changed with people with problems have a black box warning for suicidal and homicidal ideation and we also need to talk about and bring up the example of how when school shootings occur certain narratives drive us to the gun discussion and we need to unpack that and have the conversation and discuss the fact that that's a human being who decided to kill and human beings kill each other and we can look at how many human beings kill each other in cars and how many human beings are killed by medical error which is you know 350,000 a year don't quote me on that because I haven't looked at it recently but around 350,000 people are harmed by medical error um, so you know, I think we need to unpack that deliberately and specifically on the blackboard or the whiteboard and say, you're being put in this box to have this conversation about guns and school shootings, but it's not what it's all about. And we need to understand the person involving the shooting. We need to understand the co-factors and we need to understand if someone's gonna kill, they're gonna kill. And yeah. we're not taking all the cars away. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you, I guarantee a lot of these people who are calling for stronger gun control, if their insurance specifically went up, even though, even if they don't drink, if their insurance went up because they live in a bar or in a, an area dense with bars and there are people who decide to get behind the wheel and drive, I guarantee you they would be in an uproar. Like it comes down to the responsible 
people in those situations should not be penalized for the actions of a small fringe amount of people who have who are not following the laws who don't care if there's a sign that says you can't do this who are buying them any way shape or form they're like they're not registering it you cannot punish many for the unfortunate acts of a few because what stops some of these school shootings is guns that's a fact right and we also need to know what reasons led to the fact that yeah humans are so distraught yeah. yeah we have a pharmaceutical we have a mental health issue in this country we don't have I, I don't think we have a, a gun issue. We have a mental health issue and we need to start taking it very, very seriously and look at examples of where gun control has not worked. Like I fully believe we would tear each other apart with our bare fists. If you banned all weapons tomorrow, if you, if, if someone is driven to that point, whether it's from, an external influence of something they're they're taking or using, and and I mean that in all shapes and forms, or if they have just decided that I no longer am going to respect human life, I don't respect my life, and I don't respect others' lives, so I am going to interfere with their right to live. Then you you need to look. I mean I mean look at look at the UK, you know how. Uh, their their gun or I'm sorry not gun crime um their uh their knife crimes there's more stabbings and it's like that's a perfect example that's a statistical like leftists love their statistics that's statistical example that more laws do not work right it goes back to government interference central planning and all of that and also you know, I think Maj talks about this, which of course, you know, Maj talks about a lot of things related to this so brilliantly is if you have a neighborhood where you know that there's a high gun ownership and you're a criminal, you're not going in that house. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> which is why black guns matter and where he works is so profoundly important and brilliant. Yeah. And, there's the, uh, yeah. There's another aspect to it also is let's say, you know, the three of us lived in the same urban neighborhood and they just went through the neighborhood recently and took everyone's guns away. So everybody knew there's no guns in this neighborhood. Well, guess what? if I had no morals and just felt like doing whatever I wanted and the cops weren't around, Guess what I could do now without fear if I saw either one of you walking down the street? I could just, you know, knock you down, steal your purse, do whatever, and not be worried about any concealed carry that you might have. Right. And it's a constitutional so I right. right. Just me being me. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah, there's so much yeah. to it, but I think. Yeah, I agree. I think during the course, and I'm probably not the one doing this, but we have to unpack those in your face issues and explain the misleading and mainstream media narrative and 
all of that stuff and really unpackage it for the students. I think yeah. it would be profoundly beneficial. Well, slight, slight correction, though. I think Regina might have uh, the edge on me as uh, being a champion and all, but a uh, <laughs> uh, bit of a technicality. <laughs> anyway, um, I did want to make sure we had a chance to go, go into like, the, uh, the bonus topic um, that we uh, might have hinted on at the beginning, because I don't know when we actually started the episode. <laughs> um, so... Um, do you want to talk about the potential uh, follow-up class uh, that you might be doing? Uh, yeah, um, I'll keep this pretty brief. Um, I am going to start offering a cultivation class um, for how to grow medicinal mushrooms that you can make into your own capsules. You can cook with them. You can, um, some of them you can just eat raw. Um, there's a lot of healing that nature gives us. And... I do believe that food is medicine and you should know how to grow your own medicine. You should know as much as you can on how to, you know, raise livestock. Um, and I know in the cities that's very tricky. So you have to start smaller, you know, you should know how to grow as much of your food as possible. Um, there's so much, there's so much being put into our food supply that is negatively affecting our, our health, our physical health and our mental health. And as, as someone who has healed themselves from mental issues and issues with food, um, I, I'm really passionate about giving people the, essentially the autonomy to take their health. Like there is nothing more sacred in this world than your health. Like this is it. This is the body that you get. And you need to be conscious of what you're putting into your body. Like, of course, of course, it's easy to go grab the takeout. Of course, it's easy to order Uber Eats. But it's like, if, you know, if you saw someone putting actual poison into their body, like literal, like, let's go with like arsenic, you would be like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't we doing that for all of the not milk that is now... It, and I want to clarify with this. Some people actually have an actual medical issue that they cannot digest certain things. So they have to make, um, they have to go through like food elimination. They, yeah. Yeah. They're they're They have actual intolerances um, versus we made something trendy. Like we made soy milk trendy. We made oat milk trendy. And a lot of people don't understand that yet. Yeah, you know why it's so delicious in your latte? Because it's it's sugar. It's it's something insane, like 20 grams of sugar per serving. And it has literal Tums in it. That's why you think it's it's curing your tummy issues from all the other garbage you're putting into yourself. Um, so again, it's this, it's thinking it's giving you a cure but it has so many other negative aspects to it that I really think we have to come back to, again, growing all your own food, um, cooking all your own food, and just understanding that, again, like we've talked about tonight, where a lot of these webs touch each other. I think almost all of these webs, if we drew it out in a, in a crazy pattern, would all overlap at some point. You have to understand that this is done for a reason. 
60% of your serotonin, now it is different than the serotonin that is produced in your brain, 60% of your serotonin is made in your gut. So what do you think happens when you do nothing but put bullshit into your body? You feel like shit. Regina, and that pathway of serotonin is interfered by glyphosate, which is Roundup, which has contaminated your food, which has leads to celiac disease and leaky gut, which leads to lack of health and wellness when your gut is not healed. I absolutely agree with you 100%. And just wow. think that the path to health and wellness lies in your biochemical order, which lies in your ability to have cellular homeostasis, which lies in what you consume. And the issue with that is that the food industrial complex is just as corrupt as the pharmaceutical industry industrial complex and is just as corrupt as the military industrial complex. And the fact that the nutritional value of a food has diminished by over 50% because of how it's grown and all the soils issues. And also the fact that the genetic modification of our foods and all the pesticides in this food has caused a major problem. And the overwhelming majority of people that are fat are fat because they're nutritionally deficient and they're storing fat because they're in a nutrition deficit because they're eating poison and natural foods and artificial flavors and natural flavors and all that is actually an unregulated industry and actually there's thousands of chemicals that are in american foods that are not in european foods and so i just agree with you 100 percent that terrain-based health and wellness. There were nutraceuticals that they could have promoted during the early COVID times, vitamin C, quercetin, vitamin D, above 50 nanograms per milliliter had very minimal morbidity and mortality in COVID virus or any other virus. And so I agree with you 100% that the food freedom, your, your project and your passion with that, and you lived it and um, I have had a similar pathway for a different reason due to my vaccine injury, but um, I agree with you wholeheartedly and I'd like to help you with some of your projects if you let me in because I think that food freedom is very important to medical freedom and very important to uh, being a sovereign being with bodily autonomy. So I commend you on your work and I'm really excited about everything that you're doing. It's so brilliant. Yeah, that will definitely have to be a topic for a future episode. Uh, yes. So <laughs> yeah, I know we're, we're running, running over tonight, but I know. Is, <laughs> I wow, I'm so a, a sample yeah. of, uh, of what you'll get. But you know, the short version is: if you come to the uh, the first class, Liberty 101, uh, then you'll like, just learn how to live. And um, if you come to the second class, then you might just learn how to eat. <laughs> So <laughs> there you go. Um, certainly a lot of expertise that's um, looking to be shared here. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes from this. Um, yeah, we were discussing the possibility of doing uh, a show um, afterwards as well, but um, we'll, we'll leave it at that until uh, we get the details uh, sorted out. So I, I want to make sure we can uh, deliver on, on what we we're talking about doing so um does anyone have any uh closing thoughts before we wrap up here um we'll do we'll do plugs but just any closing thoughts for now okay <laughs> fair enough uh i think uh 
well, don't worry, because when we, we're teaching the class, it's not going to be uh, 1020 at night. Um, we'll be, we'll be <laughs> a little bit earlier than that. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be good. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you can, uh, again, come see us at the Take Human Action Tour this weekend, April 1st and 2nd, New York City. Um, myself, Irene, and uh, Autumn and Jacob, I know, will all be there. Um, just, uh, you know, a lot of uh, good speakers there as well. Come check out the LPPA table. Uh, there should be a setup with uh, Liberty Speaks uh, merchandise uh, there as well. There's one of the sponsors uh, for the event. So, so and the, I'll give a shout out as well to uh, Jacob, uh, the organization he's working with, uh, Libertarian Christian Institute, all on the table there as well. So definitely uh, pay a visit to them. Uh, you can follow everything we're doing at LP PA on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and YouTube uh, to get in touch with us. Uh, to you know, if you're looking to learn more about uh, the solutionary uh, class that we're going to be doing, or get you know looking to help out in any way, uh, you can email us at uh, PA Mises Caucus at gmail.com. Uh, so, Irene, you want to give any plugs? Uh, yeah, hi. You guys can see me on Twitter at Irene Mavrakakis and uh, contact me through libertyspeaks.world. Um, that's our Liberty Speaks website, and there's a contact us form. And I look forward to seeing everybody at the Take Human Action Tour. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you, Regina. Yeah, um, you can find me at uh, the LPPA Badger on Instagram and Twitter. Um, if any of the things that I've talked about tonight or we've talked about interest you, even if you're not a libertarian party, I absolutely want to still talk to you and build these issue coalitions. Um, if you are interested in these classes and um, potentially would want to host them, uh, or if you have a center to host them, like please get at us. Um, we're hoping to expand this. Um, and then I just also want to represent that we have a brand new store for the uh, Libertarian Party of Allegheny County. Um, this is the softest hoodie I own. I'm not just saying that because it has the sweet logo on it. Um, I think we have the, the link at some point drop in. Um, but uh, we do have merch. So if you want to, it's a great conversation starter. I've already had three great conversations with the What is that? Um, so it's it's a great way to kind of open up the conversation without just kind of like a like an aggressive nut about a certain topic, which I sometimes have to control. Um, but yeah, please uh, please reach out to me. Uh, like again, if any of these issues spoke to you or you have a story that you're interested in, I want to hear it. Yeah, for sure. I'm just gonna drop that in the chat real quick. Uh, so do those say um, Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania or Libertarian Party of uh, Allegheny County or what are they saying? This one says um, Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania, but there is um, uh, Allegheny specific. There's ones with just like the little hedgehog uh, logo. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff up there. We got kids stuff. Um, we got fanny packs coming at some point. I am super excited about that as a pro wrestler. <laughs> so keep an eye out on the merch, but we have a lot of great stuff over there. So check out the store. All right. Sounds good. So 
I still don't know how the show started, so I don't entirely know how I'm going to end it. So <laughs> bear with me. Uh, sorry if this uh, drags out um, a little bit long, but consider us ending the show at this point. Um, so we will see you all at the Take Human Action Tour this weekend and on the show next week. Uh, so until then, uh, don't forget to take human action. Bye. Thank you, Calvin. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Yeah, can see. Uh, hmm. It's always a story. Okay, I guess I might just have to leave the old-fashioned way. So, a little Irish uh, goodbye. Not, but <laughs> I don't really have a choice. So, um, we'll see. Um, I'll just, uh, you know, everybody just uh, leave on their own, I guess. All right. See you guys. Bye. I'll, I'll figure it out. Bye. I'm sorry, I'm still trying to figure out how to leave. Yeah, it's okay, on. I got you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.